Welcome to another episode of Unguarded, presented by Weevolve. I'm your host, Jory Davis, and I'm here with my guy, Hyun, once again. What's going on? What's up, Jory? What's going on with you? You had a you had a big game this past week that didn't go so well. Want to talk about not, it? It did not go so well. I think we thought about the I thought about the potential of losing too much, and it came true. <laughs> Right, and for those listeners who who don't know, like the 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 historical significance of this matchup, yeah, then at the Nikos, I'm probably not pronouncing the name wrong. I'm pronouncing it wrong, but also Olympiakos is a big rivalry, and um, you know, obviously Olympiakos is always stronger. Uh, they always win the game, and uh, they've been like undefeated the past five years, and and we lost so. It was it wasn't pretty. Uh, of course, there were talks before I even arrived in Greece about this being the year and all other types of stuff going on. So um, it happened, and you know now we just have to bounce back from it and figure out how to make sure we win everything moving forward. But but put it in perspective for me, like when you talk about a big rivalry, I mean, what are you talking? You told me that you guys had like the army taking you to the game or something like that like machine guns i mean we had we had we had police escorts undercover police escorts and then after the game it was like the police with their like barricade things like the plastic barricades waiting to our bus to golf and stuff it was it was pretty like intense i don't know i didn't see anyone being a threat yeah so maybe they were somewhere and we don't know Right. But yeah, it was it was that serious. So yeah. Apparently the fans are very intense. It's a it's a big rivalry. Like you like we didn't drive our cars because they were like your car would probably be destroyed. Um, wow. Okay. So so yeah, like it's it's not okay and you know, they tell us don't wear our gear anywhere downtown Athens. And then so on this episode you have our first Right, our our very first WNBA player. Yeah, the, the yeah, w. yeah, yeah. Sydney Wise from the W. Um, she came through. Oh, Sid, Sid, I believe Sid. she prefers. Yeah, as we learned. Yeah, yeah. Sid. Yeah. yeah, Sid. I think I'm on the Sydney terms now, but yeah, Sid, Sid. I'll <laughs> okay, leave that right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She came through, got unguarded for us. Of course, she was a recommended guest by a, a fellow Evolver Tanara. So. You know, it was it was a good, I think, connection to have right. our first W player uh, be recommended by one of uh, the Weevolve tribe members. Right. So, so well, yeah, just just so she doesn't get mad at us. Is it Weese or Wise? Do you know? I don't know. That's probably something, especially me. <laughs> I should have asked. <laughs> well, well Sid, Sid, give us a give us a shout. Uh, slide in the DMs and uh, leave us a note on the uh, Instagram account. Right. And let us know if we got it. Well, if we got it wrong, right? Uh, let us know. But I mean, you and I have discussed offline just some. I guess I don't really know what to call it. It's not really tension, but just more of like a division that you sometimes feel between American overseas basketball players and the WNBA players who also play overseas. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say it's like a big division. I just, I just see that, 
you know, there is a difference. And of course, because many of them are playing in the Euro League or maybe the better teams in Euro Cup. So the rest of us uh, overseas is, is kind of a disconnect. There's that underlining okay. little mini battle right. about respect, I think, right. about, you know, yeah, you're in the league, but also respect that we are just as good. Um, so, so, the, and, so, the sense, so the sense is that you feel like they don't respect you guys as much. Yeah, I can't say they. I can't okay. say they because there's, there's okay. obviously – Obviously, Sid's on the podcast, but there are some. There are some that that come uh, very, you know, different and don't really, I feel, respect those uh, that are on, you know, different level teams. Yeah. So, so I can't say all, you know, can't group everybody in the same way. There's some overseas players that probably, you know, just don't respect and show the same thing the other way around. But I think with some there is some lack of respect. And then also, you know, they, they more so stick together. Um, it was just more so the thing that, you know, everything we see on the media about the WNBA is like, we want to go home, you know, whereas for us, the overseas athletes is like, we want here to be better. You know, we're fighting right, for right, here right. to be better, not necessarily still giving that attention back to the WNBA. But again, as we talked about on the, the podcast it's different fights. You know, right. but yet still, we both have to kind of work together. Right. And I think I was surprised, and I, I should have known. I'm sorry, Tanari, you probably didn't mention this to us last year, but like, I just assumed that when WNBA players came over to Europe, that their living conditions were like so much better than everyone else's. But she had two roommates, one of them being Tanara and one of them being Yo Yo. Um, I don't know how to pronounce her real name, so I'll just say Yo-Yo because everyone else yeah. is Yo-Yo. Uh, but, yeah, I, just, I think that, that surprised me um, from the outside. Like, wow, there's a WMA player from the Sparks, right? Like a big team who comes to Spain in a small town, and she has two other roommates. And she really seemed to have embraced it. Like, she really enjoyed it from what I took from the podcast, from the interview. Yeah, I mean, that's that's also the thing. Like, that's why I talked about misconceptions of being a WNBA player. Yes, there are some that get a lot more. There are some that, you know, a team might not ever ask a WNBA player to have a roommate. Right. Um, in some cases, compared to someone who's not WNBA. Um, but, yeah, she had a roommate. She was living with other players and everything, and she is that high-level player, WNBA tag. So, yeah, it was. It's a misconception to think that they all get superior treatment, better treatment, right. but that's not true. Right. All yeah. right. So here's another episode of Unguarded with our special guest Sid from the W. I hope y'all enjoy enjoy it. Remember to share, comment, and uh, just keep giving us that feedback. Cool. Yeah. I need to put my. All right, so you ready to get unguarded for me, Sid? I am going to do the best that I can. The best you. you can. That's good. Yes. That's good. No, um, thank you for for joining the Unguarded podcast. I really appreciate it. I know you've had a lot of interviews and whatnot going on the this past summer, so I'm just going to add another one to your list. Honestly, I'm looking forward to this one. I really 
don't don't try and act like I have interviews left and right. Like I'm truly <laughs> to But I'm happy to be with you. And I I was so excited watching Tanara's interview with you. And I, when you asked me, I was like, easy money. I would love to join. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. It was perfect timing. I was like, okay, let me get the let me get the crew from LaSalle. Might as well jump in yes. her DMs and see if she's down to talk a little <laughs> bit. So all right. So we we start the the podcast, the episode off with something we call the starting five. So I ask you five questions and then you give an answer to those five questions. Um, and it's just, you know, helps you warm up a little bit, have some fun. Okay. All right. So what are the best and worst dishes that Tanara cooked for you during your time oh in the sale? <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, I loved It's So it's, I don't know if I can choose a bad one. I think there were a few where she was experimenting. And so like the flavors were just like, it was missing something, but it wasn't, yeah. <laughs> the intentions were there, you know? And I can't, I can't talk because I am not a chef. I loved her soup. She would make the best soup. Like I loved her <laughs> soup. Um, and then we also had a tradition where we would make just like nachos. Like it wasn't anything crazy. Literally it was like stepbrothers. Like we put the, pl- we put the chips on the plate and then we put the, the cheese on top, but uh, he added the secret ingredient of garlic salt. So we would oh, make okay. the cheese and then we would sprinkle some garlic salt on top. So I just remember the late nights with the nachos and then her soups would hit because it was cold out in those streets. So yeah. that was it. That's a good one. She never made the soup for me, I don't think. So oh, I'm gonna have to, yeah, I'm gonna have to hit her up on that. But it, you know, I had her rookie season, so you know, she was it. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> your mind is different. You you are not prepared for that. So she added soup to her, rep- her repertoire, like yeah, next year. yeah. All right, cool. Um, what do you miss most about being overseas when you're in America? I miss the food. Um, I love the fresh food. Um, when you go, you can go to farmer's markets. Like when we were in Spain last year, they had farmer's markets every Tuesday and Saturday with, with fresh produce. Um, that was literally like, they got it like right down the road and brought it to town. Um, and then I just love all the different restaurants and the quality of the, the environment, how you get to the pace of life, as you know, is different in Europe. And I love that pace where it's a little bit slower. It's not like a rat race like it is in America. So I miss like spending that time dining with people and Mm -hmm. you have quality conversations, you eat quality food. So that is like what I miss all the time. Definitely a different vibe over here. Next question. What's a nickname that only people closest to you can call you? (laughs) Well, it's ironic because I prefer people call me Sid. I don't like being called by my full name, Sydney. So I think though, like there's a select few that can call me Sydney. Like I actually prefer being called Sid or my middle name is Rose. And so if people call me Sydney Rose, like that's fine. But like, there's only a select few that I will accept them calling me Sydney. All right. That's good to know. All right. Next one. If you had to lip sync to your life, I mean, for your life, what song would you choose? I'm so glad you asked this question. (laughs) I've been waiting for this question. Okay. So picture this. It is the grand finale of the lip sync battle. It's my time to shine. I choose My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion. And during the performance, Leonardo DiCaprio shows up and we are recreating the scene 
in front of the boat. That I will, I guarantee I will live and probably add years to my life because of that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Okay. That's definitely a meme, meme insert right there. Like perfect. Yeah. That would be a dope one. That's oh my gosh. I love song. that question. Thank you so much for that question. <laughs> All right. What celebrities did you have on your screensaver when you were 13? Well, I know like growing up, I had posters everywhere in my room. So probably even, I don't know if I had a phone when I was 13. I think I got a phone when I was like 14. I don't know. It was before the technology, like right before the technological age. So yeah. in my room, like on my ceiling, I had two posters of Robert Pattinson from Twilight. And then okay. on the other side, I had Chris Paul. So th- those were my guys that just so shows the range. <laughs> yeah. That shows the range and the spectrum of where we were operating from at 13 years old. That's you're very diverse. It's, it's amazing. Like, sure. It's, <laughs> sure. Totally different. Totally different. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's jump into the conversation. I want to talk about some misconceptions that people have about WNBA players being overseas athletes. Now, of course, you know, myself, I've only been overseas. A lot of other players are only overseas and we assume like other, you see, you know, this summer when some of the guys talked about being in a bubble and how it was this. And a lot of the overseas athletes was like, Oh, now you experience how we are, blah, blah, blah. So there's the misconception that, There's the overseas athlete and then there's the WNBA, NBA athlete. What do you feel some misconceptions that we have within our own community about you guys when you are overseas? That's a good question. I I would hope that as I have experienced both the WNBA and being overseas, the quality of basketball is high. Like it doesn't matter where, what league you're playing in, there's, amazing basketball players worldwide. And I'm thankful for that because the W is its own style and brand and it has its own set of players. And when you go overseas, each league in each country brings a different style to the table. And I appreciate that because, I mean, we all want to be the best that we can be as competitors, as athletes. And so when you get to experience those different leagues, it adds to your game. Mm -hmm. And so I, I would hope that WNBA players are viewed through a lens of when we go overseas, we're here to work and be better. And that it's not a different, that we're not operating at a higher level or holier than thou level. We're professionals. You're professionals. We're all professionals. We're all trying to get better and, you know, compete. And I think I've, I've enjoyed seeing how good there, there's so many people who are so good and are in the league. And so it's, you're always challenged, like you're challenged in whatever professional realm you step into and you got to bring your best no matter where you're at, like it demands it. Have you, have you come across some players that you're like, man, that this, this player is good. Like she, she could definitely be on that stage with us um, in the summer. Are there some players that you've come across um, that you feel like, is kind of like a question of, you know, why they aren't there as well. Absolutely. Um, That's happened. I've been in Australia. I've been in Israel. I've been in Spain. And each, each time that I've gone, I've, I've come across a player where I'm like, dang, like (laughs) she's good. And she worked super hard. And so I Mm -hmm. think it, there's a, 
it's an unfortunate reality that a lot of times it has to do with your name. And then there's the occasional story of people making it and getting their foot in the door and then finding a good fit and right. you make it work. Uh, but that's not always the case, unfortunately. But it's it's amazing that there are opportunities overseas where people can find their niche and they get to play at the highest level. And a lot, I think a lot of times people hear the WNBA and you, you say that's the highest level of basketball. I think EuroLeague and EuroCup compete with that, you know, because yeah, it's, it's more – it's a broader spectrum of accessing the world's best. And so um, not to take away from the W at all, but I think there's just not enough room because there are yeah. so many women out there that can compete in this league. Yeah. It's just not enough space. <laughs> like, yeah. That's um, you know, whereas Europe, you have all the individual countries, their leagues, Euro league, Euro cup, obviously, a lot of great talent, a lot of great Europeans. I mean, and I think the European players continue to get better. I mean, especially yeah. now that they're going to college and then coming back, you know, they're just weaponizing themselves with the full package, yeah. <laughs> per se. To say the least. To say the least. Yeah. Um, when it comes to your experience overseas and your experience in America with the WNBA, if you were to get paid the same amount of money, which one would you choose and why? It's so tough, honestly, because I have come to really appreciate both. I love mm -hmm. being able to play at home in the States during the summer. I can go from city to city and I have friends all over the country that I can visit because of being able to travel with the league and uh, playing in different states. Uh, but then I do love the change of pace going to Europe. And I love being able to meet new people and experience different cultures and uh, immerse myself in that, not just as a tourist, but actually living in these countries. Um, and so I don't know if I can give you an answer because it's like you get to play in front of loved ones and then you get to play in a brand new environment and meet new mm -hmm. people that you end up loving as your own. Um, and so I've I've really enjoyed being able to do both and I will always appreciate basketball for that. Do you feel uh there's like a calmness when you get overseas compared to when you're playing the WNBA? Like is like of course the WNBA like there's so much going on with you guys advocating. Um of course this summer was so much. I know for me I'm not even playing in the summer but just being home with family and doing everything trying to catch up with everyone. When I come overseas, there's a calmness. It's almost like, ha, ah, no one, no, I'm on a different time. Like no one can bother me. No one can say, hey, come meet me here. Do you feel that when, like for you, when you're done season, is this something like this really kind of like a calming, like getaway? You put it into words perfectly because I, to my core, I'm an introvert. And so okay. I think basketball has, allowed me to grow and step into those moments of you got to, you're, we're performers and you put mm -hmm. on a show and then you have your, your people at home. And so you're around them, you're engaged in their life, they're engaged in yours and it can be a lot of energy. And then when you leave the country, it's like, I'm away <laughs> from everything and everybody. And I'm like nine hours ahead. So I can be like, eh. so I, man, I was asleep. I was taking like, like all those things where it's like, you have a legitimate yeah. excuse of like, sorry, I didn't get back to you. And yeah. I think I, I absolutely, it's like, a, because of the pace in Europe and because you are away from 
and it's sacrifice. I mean, it's, it's tough being away from loved ones. It's tough missing holidays and birthdays and those moments. Um, but I do think it is, there's a lot of growth that comes from overseas life when you are on your own and you're meeting new people. And if you have roommates, you get to know them. And, um, it's, it's been amazing to experience this specific stillness that only comes with an overseas experience. I definitely feel like it's just a whole, as you said before, it's a whole different vibe here and it's just more relaxing and calming. It's simple life. Do you, do you feel a big difference when it comes to the media and marketing and everything else um, around the different leagues Um, for you as a WNBA player? You know, of course you're coming with that WNBA tag. It is something that's, it's a thing. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like there's still that like hype? when you come overseas or do you feel like that kind of like goes away a little bit once you, once you're overseas for me individually or for like all WNBA players for you or would, would you, yeah. I don't know if you, if you hear that there's a different, you know, feeling for, for that group of players. Yeah. I mean, from my experience, I know that like initially whenever I would get to a team, it was like, Oh, WNBA player, we're going to interview her. And it's so cool and exciting. But then like as time goes on, like it's about performing and getting buckets and then it becomes about the team, which is mm-hmm. the part I enjoy. Like, please don't make a big deal about me being here. Like I am just yeah. here to do my job just like the rest of us and learn from my teammates, improve. And I think that's one of the biggest lessons that I learned stepping into the professional world was even though we're professionals, we're still progressing mm-hmm. and we each have our own journeys that we're taking. And so I know like, when it comes to the media stuff, like it's part of the deal for sure. And there's that label of like WNBA that comes with people. Uh, but then I enjoy when it's done and it's like, all right, mm-hmm. now it's time to just do what we do and enjoy right. that and make it about the team and winning and doing our best. So like it comes with it, but I I'm like, all right, cool. Like, please. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um, what surprised you the most from going, you know, out of college, playing in the league and then coming overseas. I just think the, you aren't any, like you are not shit to put it. (laughs) Like you like leaving college where you have, like all of us have like those great senior seasons and you feel like you have it all figured out and you are the best player in the world. (laughs) And then you, you enter the W or you go overseas and you're like, Whoa, no Mm -hmm. one cares. No one cares. And so I think like, like for me, I know being in a college program for four years, you get so used to that system and you get so used to how you're, you're being set up for success because the ball is coming to you. The ball's in your hands. You can do what you do, but then making that transition to the professional level. For me, I was surrounded by Candace Parker, Neka Agumake, Chelsea Gray. Like I'm not shit. (laughs) They are literally the shit. And so then you go to, I went to Australia and it was the same thing. Like you're there to compete. No one cares about your name. They just want you to compete hard. And so I think that shocked me the most because I had this, I hate to say like an arrogance, but I I felt so confident because of coming out of Oregon state and having some success. And you think like we made it, we're at, we're at the professional level, but you're literally starting at the bottom. And so it was like a slap to the face, but it was healthy because it was like, okay, now what are you going to do with it? Yeah. We all go through that. Like you have a little bit of that, that, that ego, like 
I yeah. just killed in college. Like I did it. And you're like, no, there's a whole, whole different group level. of people. These are grown like, women. Like, <laughs> These are grown women. Grown, grown women. Yeah. Like you, I don't know what you think this is, but <laughs> you get overseas. Of course, we all go through that. Like, oh shit, I'm not shit. Like you said, like this is something different. When you look at, like you say, like with LA, you had all of those, I mean, any like some what's the price to be surrounded by that type of talent and mentorship when you talk about Candace Parker? Like that's that's like unmatched. You guys from outside, of course, it seems as though like the WNBA players are really connected. Like for me also, when I know you, you know, I see WNBA players are overseas, it seems like you guys also maintain that connection. Do you feel, have you seen anything like what you feel in the WNBA when you come overseas? For me, I, like I've touched on, I've really enjoyed getting to know my teams and teammates in different countries. Like I've, I've tried to be super mindful of really investing into those relationships, not just yeah. the American relationships or the, the WNBA relationships. Like we'll connect and um, like if we play each other, you obviously like check in and it's like, how you doing? Like, you know, coming right. from a season to another season, it's like a more of a mental well-being of like, are you good? Okay, you're good. I'm good. So we're good to go. Um, and yeah. so I think there's a mutual understanding of like the difficult um, transition of going from whatever your season might have been like in the summer straight into another season. Um, but I know like I, I've enjoyed cultivating those relationships within my own team and then even like throughout different because of those relationships within the team you get to know other people on other teams that you wouldn't have even really understood or um so it's really cool just to to be in those different environments in those different countries and now it's like you have you have friends around the world and so that has been my favorite parts is like yeah when you have those WNBA connections and then you get to know people fellow Americans, if they're on your team or even in the same country as you, you cultivate those as well. That's the best part. That's what, like, I think, as I told a few of, you know, individuals, like once I get to this age or into people that get to this age in the game, you come, you still love the game, but like this lifestyle to come is because you really enjoy, it becomes like your life. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, I know people personally in Italy, like families I can go in their house. I know people in Spain when I played there, Switzerland, I can go. So it's like you really have to um, immerse yourself in the culture. And I know we say that it's cliche. They're like, oh, you need to build relationships. And sometimes I'm like, what does that look like? By doing that, was that something that someone told you or did you naturally just you were just naturally curious to want to immerse yourself with the locals and get to know people? Uh, my first year in Australia, I was very reluctant to do that because I leaving college and then like experiencing um, your first professional season in the summer and then it just ends and then you're shipped off to the next place. I was like very guarded of my my heart because I pour into people and I get super connected with people. And then it was hard for me to be um, taken away from them. Like it was right. my first experience, like trying to maintain and build relationships from a distance And so then I was, when I got to Australia, I was like, why am I going to pour into these people and I'm going to be gone in four months? Like that's going to hurt me. And then as time went on, like I just naturally 
enjoy like I can't help but get to know people and get close to them right. and so I definitely like let my guards down and I enjoyed being around those girls and I'm so sorry there's a frog in my throat that won't go away <laughs> oh my god um I'm gonna sip some water really quick yeah it's okay so it definitely just happens naturally like I once I embrace like this lifestyle you don't have to be because of technology like you don't have to be in person to really stay in touch or connect with people. Like there's ways to do that and your hearts are going to be connected whether or not you talk every day. So I, I think it comes back to like the root of it is who you get to work with and who you surround yourself with and cultivating being present in those relationships while you're there. And then as life goes on, you know, your, your paths continue to cross in and out and that's just part of life. But I I'm thankful that, that has been my focus. Like you said, like that becomes it. Like, yeah, you yeah. get to play basketball and it's enjoy it's enjoyable and you're pursuing that and you're improving, but who you get to spend your time with, like that is, that's the bulk of your existence while you're overseas. Yeah, no, it's definitely a beautiful thing. And I think like for you, you said you were a little bit introverted. So it was like, how hard was that for you to, to start stepping outside your shell because so many American athletes, um, as you probably have learned, you know, it's the practice, go home, speak to your family at, at home <laughs> and then you sleep, go back, you know, yeah. but it's important for them and everyone, all of us to understand um, how rewarding it is to get outside your comfort zone and be unguarded. So for you being an introvert, like you know, how did that go for you? Like, was it difficult? How did you go about like kind of talking yourself up to be like, look, I say I'm introverted. So like to my, I, like, if I could, I would love to just like not see anyone ever and just mind my business. But mm -hmm. I, so I also, I operate in a faith foundation. So I know that God puts me in positions to stretch myself and to also right. surround myself with people who the right people, the right energy. And that brings me life. Like yeah. as much, as much comfort as I get of like being in my room, I know that there's more fruit being around people. And right. so my first three seasons, I had roommates each season. And I think that really helped me because if I would have been by myself, it would have been practice, go home, see you guys tomorrow. And mm -hmm. this really forced me to get to know my roommates and to be invested in this journey with them together. And then their relationships that they had outside of just ourselves, it led me to new people and it led us to go and do stuff because they might want to go and get crepes and coffee. And I'm just like, well, if you want to go, then I'll go with yeah. you guys. And so <laughs> then it just, they, uh, the people I've been surrounded by have pushed me and mm -hmm. they have encouraged me to immerse myself in the culture yeah. like you say having good people that have encouraged yes. me that has been huge for me yeah that's that's also key that's that's definitely great advice because I think you know my mom comes over and um she's always like you always just around good people <laughs> and I'm yes. like well that energy comes back you know you you yes. give and it's gonna come back indirectly you don't maybe notice it um, of course, when she said it and I started to think about my career, I'm like, yeah, like taking away if it's good level, medium level, because I've been mm -hmm. on all levels. Um, yes. It's just been good people. And so definitely, um, you know, I think it's rewarding um, per mm -hmm. se. You know, 
know, there are people that are introverted that like to keep to themselves. But I like to say, like, it's rewarding if you try it. It'll come back to you if you're coming from a place of authenticity. You really want to, you know, do that. What are your what are your off days look like from from your experience? What are some of your favorite off days overseas? I I know. <clears throat> Here's the frog again. Just one second. It's OK. <laughs> <laughs> We should have an advertisement for the frog in my throat. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when each country presents different options and I know like the initially, like when I was in Australia, I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much downtime. I'm going to nap. Like I'm just going to sleep because in, like coming from college, you don't have time to just nap. So I was like, I get to right. sleep and nap so much. And then that lasted like a couple of weeks because I was like, oh, my gosh, I have a lot of time. Like what sh- yeah. I should be doing something with my time. And so then that's when different ex- excursions would take place or like where I was in Australia, there was this really cool mountain that you could. It was just like a casual hike. And so I normally, depending on the weather, like I enjoy going for walks just to clear my mind and decompress and take my time. And I go back and forth like some off days. It's more beneficial for me to not do anything and to have those quiet moments of solitude, listening to podcasts, going for walks, um, watching Netflix and just chilling. And then other days, like it's fun to go on excursions. Um, I know in Spain, like we went to Andorra and we would shop there and we would explore. I had a friend who came to visit and we went to France. And so there's definitely opportunities to go and explore and um, really take in where you're at. When I was in Israel, I went to Jerusalem a couple of times. My roommate was Jewish. So she had family in, um, Jerusalem that we went and did Shabbat dinners with occasionally. Um, and so that like those memories are so cool and Mm -hmm. meaningful. Um, but I know it's still, it's that balance of like, I still got to take care of myself and slow down because that's what I need. Um, Mm -hmm. but then also like experience, experiencing a lot of different things too. Tanara obviously says she's like your biggest fan. Uh, oh I'm my sure you gosh. Know. Yeah. So, it's mutual. You know, yeah. So she's like, um, you know, Sid is very, she knows herself. She's very in tune with herself. Um, how did you get to that point? And how what would you recommend to athletes when it is that we have so much time? As I say, um, I've learned from my career that the time we do have overseas as an athlete, it's a perfect time to learn yourself and really spend time with yourself. Um, you know, how did you get to that point of, of, you know, just knowing how to, you know, get your, your soul, your spirit rejuvenated by just being isolated somewhat. And what would be some things that you would tell athletes of how to deal with that quiet time when they're overseas? I love to read. And so I think I, I'm also like not, I don't like the Kindles. Like I love the books. Like I Mm -hmm. I bring so many books with me when I go overseas. And I think because I didn't really know what to expect my first season, I I brought a couple books that I had intentions of reading and really Mm -hmm. diving into. Um, And I've, I've always been one to journal. Um, I write a lot just to like let everything up here in my mind flow out onto the paper to make room for more jumbled thoughts in my mind. Um, And I think that has helped me really understand and process everything within myself. Um, And so, and I've actually been texting with Tanara these last few days because I wanted to check in and see how she was doing. And she's actually ended up, I've been the one that's been like word 
vomiting to, to her about like what I'm processing through right now. Um, yeah. and so I think the biggest thing has been for me, um, embracing that we're constantly growing and evolving and we're dying to certain versions of ourselves that mm-hmm. may have served us in a previous season, but now we're being called to elevate into what's next. It's never an easy process, but I think it's become easier as I've embraced that. Um, and I know because I, I love to stay in tune with how the spirit is guiding me. And so mm-hmm. for me, like, I believe in Jesus. I believe in um, a higher power that is orchestrating all right. these things in my life that I really don't have control over. Um, and so it's trusting that, stepping into that and knowing I'm going to be led in the way I'm supposed to be. And so um, wanting to pursue peace any way that I can. Um, and I know with overseas, it's this delicate balance because we're being called as imports, as Americans to perform and to be yeah. selfish in a lot of ways. And I think what I've tried to hold on to is I want to be myself within <laughs> the demands. And yeah. so I just, it's a, it's a really, I think the main word, it comes back to balance. And so it's finding time with people, spending time with people, but really spending time with yourself, getting to know yourself, reading podcasts, whatever you need to do, but then having great conversations like this or having great conversations with the people that are with you, because it's not supposed to be a journey taken alone. For me, my biggest struggle always was you're not selfish enough. You know, like you're not selfish enough, Jory. You need to do this as you know, score, score, score. And I've always been like, I I want to find that balance because, you know, I've always been like, I don't want to be the typical American, my local players or anyone thinks like, because that's not who I am. That's not Jory's spirit. That's not, I'm not that type of person. So as overseas, it really challenges, I think, it, like who's willing to stay true to who yeah. they are within this yep. business. And that's, it's, it's not easy. You know, as you know, it's harder to do the right thing in this world. It's easier to do the selfish and everything. Um, yeah. So it's, it's definitely something that causes you to, to exert more energy um, to find that balance and stay true to who you are and still cultivate those relationships, even though you, there might be some people that is ill will um, yeah. within that relationship. So how how important, you know, obviously I don't know a lot about your other years, but I do know a little bit about your connection with Tanara Yo-Yo. How important would you say that just on that small scale, those girls in that year, you know, how important would you say that that type of small ecosystem or community is for us when we we leave our homes and we come to these teams and mm-hmm. these, these locations? Like um, there's the isolation and there's the you know, spending time alone, but then what is it like with the need of community overseas? You once again stated it perfectly, the need for community. And as much as I want to claim being an extra or an introvert, like there is a need to be with good people. And Mm -hmm. I I came to Spain late last year because our season was getting done like towards the end of September and they had been with one another. So I lived with Elle, Tanara and Yo-Yo and they were my roommates and they had already lived there. I think for six weeks up to that point, like they had gotten to know each other, right. been through preseason together. And so I was like, geez, like, I don't want to like interrupt their flow and their rhythm. And how am I going to incorporate myself without like, <laughs> like I didn't want to do anything to step on toes or get in the way. 
And so right away they were so warm and welcoming and like, you mm -hmm. know, Tanara, like their yeah. personalities were so, it was like a family right away. Like they embraced right. me, they understood, um, you know, we each have our own lives. And so if you need time to yourself, like take your time. But if you ever want to do anything as a household, like just, you know, say it. And so yeah. it was such a mature and healthy environment to live, to live in and to step into. And I will always be grateful for them because, you know, Elle's from Sweden, Yo-Yo's from all over the place. Like she, she <laughs> like Serbia, a yo -yo. Portugal, yeah, literally all over the place. And then Tanara was the fellow American in the situation, but she had been in Spain the year before. Um, and so they brought their unique experiences and perspectives and their growth journeys. And um, I think we fit each other so well. And I will always like, like I said, and it might be cliche, but it's the truth. Like they are why my experiences are so amazing uh, right. because of their spirit and their energy and the laughs that we got to share and the all nighters that we would spend on the bus, like delusional trying to get back home. Um, it's those memories that mean yeah. so much. And so it, it really does make a difference when you have that, that community that is warm and welcoming. It's, I think definitely starting to highlight how the team is built is important for, to highlight that more often because it's, it's not a mistake. It shows, you know, and it shows like other teams that I've seen of course, it happened by luck because I know the agents weren't really thinking as deep as we're talking yeah. about right now. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but it's a great example to possibly highlight that so, you know, individuals and teams can and even coaches can understand that it's bigger than this player gets this amount of points yeah. and this player can rebound. It's all about that connectivity. You know, I know I heard a lot about your guys' connection, so I was I was kind of jealous. So I'm not going to lie. I was like, oh, man. I just want that type of tribe, you know, like. <laughs> Don't give up, Jory. There's still hope for that connection. Yeah. But yeah. I think, like, it it really does, like, in turn, it respects the game. Like, because you don't, the game should be respected and played the right way. Like, even though we're professionals and we're seeking whatever we want to seek, I think, for me, it, it always comes back to, being unselfish and doing what's best for the team. And then when you have a group of people or a team that's willing to do that, like you, you do things that weren't anticipated, be, even if you don't have the, the budget or the money, whatever comes with the business side of everything. Like if you have that belief and that connection and what with one another, like you can do amazing things. Like that's still true at the professional level. I want to just talk a little bit about, what you see, you know, the resources that the WNBA has, and I know you guys are obviously, again, I know you're advocating for a lot for you guys to get so much. And of course, my goal is to start that advocacy for those that I call the lost community over abroad. For women in general, we all have a large, big fight. And everyone, as I tell people, everyone has to choose their fight um, and everyone can't lead every fight. However, you're in both worlds. A lot of you are in both worlds from the resources you possibly get in the WNBA and then coming overseas. Do you see a lack of do you think both are still lacking? Not not so much talking about equal pay, but just in general resources, how your bodies are taken care of, how your minds are taken care of opportunities of how you're going to transition yeah, it's um, obviously it depends on what team and organization you are in um, and a part of overseas and in the league. Um, but I do think that 
there's um, room for a lot of improvement um, for both. Um, I've noticed, um, I, I compare it sometimes to college because you had everything at your disposal. Uh, we had a practice facility, we had a weight room, we had a locker room, um, we had a training room to call our own whenever we needed it. And that hasn't been the case um, anywhere that I've been uh, because there's always, whether it is overseas or in the league, like we are like a, a temporary season. And so it's, and then we go overseas. And so it's not like we have our own facility because we're only using it five, six months out of the summer. And then you go overseas and the gyms that I've played at, they've had, they've had kids that are there during the day or at night. And so you, you don't really have your space. You don't have access to things at any moment, like you need to schedule it or be mindful about it. And so I think on, for both, there's a lot of, there's a lot of improvement that can be made just so we can have space. And I think that's what women are fighting for is to simply have space that goes hand in hand with the league and what we're advocating for and fighting for that is much deeper than just salary. Um, And then overseas as well with different experiences. um, I think it's continuing to push for that space that women have always deserved. As I always, I'm always talking about the WNBA versus overseas uh, because it is a thing. It is a thing. It's a thing. NBA uh, versus overseas guys who gets, gets more. And um, it is a big discussion, but all in all, we all have, you got to go get that. Let me just, let me just put it on me really quick. <laughs> I guess in a sense, one of the questions I have is, do you guys, be, is it overwhelming enough that you're dealing with the fight with WNBA or do you also indirectly think about the other individuals overseas? Or is it just like, look, we already have a big enough fight on our hands that we can't really also take on another fight because you guys usually have the bigger brands. You have the bigger brands in the WNBA and also here. So it's also like that brand in that platform could also help to shed light on the other things. How does, what's that feeling uh, for you? There's a lot of pride wherever we are. Um, Not just the WNBA players, but I think professional women's basketball players there's pride because there's not enough room at the table. And so I don't think it's been lost on me that there's so much more that we're advocating for than just our league in the States and the W there we're going overseas because we want to continue to improve that quality of not only play, but treatment and resources and opportunities. And sometimes your name can help that cause, you know, when you have certain players who go to these different organizations and countries that brings a lot of attention and a lot of resources that might not have been the case. Um, and so I, where we are, wherever we find ourselves, part of the W, not part of the W, we want to bring that sense of pride and understanding we deserve better. We deserve the best. And we are professional athletes that need resources and we need access to, to things so we can do our job at the highest level. Um, and so I think it goes to, being vocal about it. And it goes to making sure that I think the league, the W has helped me see what not only do we need within that realm, but what I, what we need overseas as well. Like I, I know because of the certain things that we lack in the W there's, it makes it pretty clear for both that we do need these things. We need resources and we need all the 
the access to what would help us be great to do our job for you. And so it's not asking for too much, but I think it's just making sure that work we continue to fight in in all the ways as professional women's women in general that we have what we need so we can be the best versions of ourselves for ourselves and for you. We're all in the same fight. Um, it's just on different platforms at times, but in general, women right now are really, you know, raising up and, and sharing their truth and letting their voices be heard. And um, I think it's about also finding the right solution to what's going yes. on, you know, finding being solution-based and understanding as well. There was a couple of individuals when they ask about Weevolve, is it only for women? And for me, I personally wasn't for that because I feel like the right guy, the right Weevolve athlete guy will understand he is, he's, he's, he's secure enough to get, take a little less to give to the ladies that he know needs more. And then again, not money resources, or it might be mm-hmm. access to a network or a step in a room that we probably wouldn't get into. Um, mm-hmm. What's your thought on in general advocating for women and finding new ways to get more? What's your thought on the guys you said about being separate or unifying all together as athletes? I think there's a delicate line that we don't need validation from men. We we just want respect. And so I think a lot of cases there it's almost like pity or throwing it sounds dramatic, but like throwing money or different things where it's like, it's so much deeper than like, it's so much deeper than that. Like we just want respect and we want equal opportunity, whether it's being shown on TV, whether it's being treated the same way, advertised the same way at the same level. I think that the W showed that this summer that when we were able to be in the forefront, when we were on TV, when our products were being worn or displayed or accessible, they were going to be purchased. They were going to be shown and appreciated. And so I think it just goes back to having the same opportunity to be on display. And so at the end of the day, we're performers and we are the, the NBA has been around longer than the women's league, but they've been pushed and they have been shown and nationally worldwide accessible. And so I, now I think it's, partnering with them and understanding how they got to this point to begin with, but also understanding that as our culture continues to shift, we don't need that validation from men. We just respect. It comes back to respect and making sure that we get that access to, to things that men have gotten to get them to where they are now. It, it just, I don't know. It makes sense to me, but it, like you said too, like, it's solution-based. It's not just talk. Like there's action that comes with this. It's definitely solution-based and it's definitely not pity because I don't think we're, we're athletes. So we don't want pity anyway. Like that's not how we're programmed. No, no, um, no. You know, for me, it's solution-based. And there's also, um, you know, when I look back on my journey, there's never been an athlete, a, a male athlete that I know from my personal experience that didn't respect me that didn't know that we needed more, but still respected my game. It just wasn't their fight. Around overseas, what is something that you would like 
the world to know about your experience overseas or how you view overseas? Like there's this mindset that comes with living in America that I didn't realize that I carried with me until I left America. And I almost feel like there's the superiority complex of like whatever happens in America is the best. (laughs) And that is not the case. Like I think the lifestyle away from basketball, but also the, the game within itself, it's a beautiful thing and it's high level. And I, I think it goes hand in hand with the idea of just because something is great in this regard doesn't mean there isn't room for different ways for things to be great. So the styles in different countries are different. They're not necessarily like they're European style games, but it's super high level and it's challenging and you're pushed. And so I think with each season and experience that I've had in different countries, there has been amazing, amazing levels of competition. And so I think like you mentioned earlier, the world is improving. The, the athletes are improving and it's not like it's America at the top and then everyone else is figuring it out like super far below. Like it is a close race. Like these women, these athletes are damn good. And so it is so fun to go over and ask questions and to, to be challenged by new styles of play. And so I think it, there's so much fruit that comes with experiencing these, these different countries, these different leagues. And, um, and then we get to bring it back to, you know, whatever we learn from those experiences, we get, we get to bring it back to America, to our families. And um, that is something that because of the game, it, it goes way beyond the lines for me. The biggest part for me is, you know, as you said, your eyes have, was open to your mindset as an American. Uh, of course, this is year 10 for me. Now, when I go back to America, I feel like I'm off. Like, like things are different. <laughs> you know, like even my family, like, yes, you know, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Like, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Why are you acting like that? What's wrong with you? Yes. Uh, <laughs> So it's it's just so funny. Your environment is it, it shapes you so much, and I just love the fact that being open minded, how it's you know continued to help me grow and going into different countries is just it. You really start to be like, oh, this is amazing. I love who I'm becoming from this experience. When it first started out pretty hard, you know, I started in Israel my first year, so it was like Gaza Strip. What? You know, what is going on? Like, get me out of here. But, um, yes. you know, you made it through. You made it through. And, and and so it just really helps you grow. And then for me, being over here, I've grown to learn the pain points for the Europeans and those women, you know, in certain leagues where they are not professionals. You know, they don't even they're not even considered professionals. It's like they're amateurs. Mm-hmm. And the things with, you know, when they retire, what are they going to get? There's just so much work to be done around the world. And so it's, it's important that, you know, all the stories are shared. And I think with you ladies, with the WNBA, you get to experience both. Um, so it's, it's good to, for us also to start to watch, you know, watch how you're successfully making things happen. The soccer team, how are they making things happen to now start that overseas? And we already know women, the power women have in America is not the same. It hasn't evolved yet here in Europe. You know, women don't have a voice as much as we can have in America. And that's definitely something that uh, it just has to start, start somewhere. So, Mm -hmm. um, but it was good talking to you. 
I appreciate you uh, getting up this morning, eating your breakfast quicker, a little quickly, so you could talk to me and get unguarded. Um, it was it was great. I, I hope uh, everything's going good at home. When are you When are you thinking to come back over? I so I hurt my ankle towards the end of our season, and so. Mm-hmm. I've never hurt an ankle before and those injuries are like no joke. So I didn't realize like it's probably going to take me longer than I anticipated to rehab. So I'm honestly in no rush because I want to make sure that this gets taken care of before I jump back into playing. Um, So maybe after Christmas, I might go overseas, Um, but I do, I I miss that vibe. I I miss being over in Europe, and um, but I know that when the time's right, I'll be back over there. And it's it's nice to be home with family and to during the holiday season. And so I'm not taking it for granted at all. Um, so we'll see. But um, I thank you for having me on. I really am a big fan of this podcast. So when you when you asked me, I was like, this is what an honor. What an honor to be able to sit here and have a great conversation about My Heart Will Go On and Celine Dion with Jory. What a dream. Awesome. You need to make that happen. I think you should definitely make that happen. Like, you know, just get a, just get somebody set up a little stage. I think it will go viral. Yeah. It will go viral. Yeah. I'll see what I can do for you. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it was great. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. All right, Cindy. Have a good one. Appreciate you. Thank you. You too.